Today on Unpacked. If I walk into a bar dressed in drag, I will either get punched mm. or, you know, I will get the most hateful remarks thrown my way. This word was used um, to break you down mm. as a child. Their actions do not define who I am and my life. Yeah. I think for a very long time, the drag persona was a shield. In part one of this conversation, we delve into the world of drag, its art and its politics. Diart Lee, a vivacious, dynamic and versatile performer and one of South Africa's premier entertainers, is breaking boundaries, making waves and redefining the drag industry as we know it as character Sinead O'Brien. In 2015, Sinead made South African history by becoming the first drag performer to make it to the top 16 in one of South Africa's largest reality singing competition series. This is Diart's story. Let's unpack. Sinead O'Brien, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good and how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, for the purposes, especially um, for everybody to know how to address you, but also to have a better understanding of what drag is. What is your definition of drag? My definition of drag is a male or a female dressing up as the opposite sex mm -hmm. for entertainment purposes. Um, so I don't look like this and fabulous all the time. Um, yes. When I'm out of drag, my pronouns are he yes. and his. Um, identify as a gay male. Yes. And when I'm in my drag, I identify as she and her and or just Sinead O'Brien. And I'm going to repeat that again. So when we say the pronouns that is specifically speaking to the fact that your gender that you identify with is male, if we didn't see you all dressed up, what was your name? Diart. So you are Diart. Yes. And you are male, you are gay. But actually those, those things are not interlinked in the sense that not every drag queen that you meet mm. is a is a, a gay man. No, no. You know, so maybe speak to, you know, um, the fact that how have people misgendered you or um, mis, uh, misconstrued your pronouns and that kind of thing? So obviously the, the character that I created is female. So for me, it was the obvious choice to have the pronoun she and her. Yes. But there's still a very big misunderstanding or sometimes I think in the general public a miscommunication of what drag is. So we often get labeled as transgender or transsexual individuals, yes. which is not the case. Yes. Um, a transgender individual is obviously someone who has surgical procedures done to match the gender on the outside that they feel on the inside. Yes. Whereas this is all just for show. This is yes. getting up into a character and doing it for the sake of uh, entertainment purposes. Yes. And then once you're done, take it off and going back to your normal life. The most exciting thing, um, you know, about your career, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the <laughs> fact that you made history in a music competition show and you made it, you know, to the top 16, mm. which was a first. What did that do for you and for the community? So, yeah, the, the, the reality show, I don't think we can mention it. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it, for me, it was it was a life-changing experience. Yeah. Um, I went into the competition doing it for self-gain, if I can put it that yes. way, coming from an entertainment background. Yes. You know, getting your name a little bit more out there and, and all those things. But 
as the competition continued and as I progressed in the competition, it became way bigger than I yes. thought it was going to be. I had people from small towns, you know, messaging me on Facebook, um, LGBTIQA plus individuals saying thank you for being a voice on a, on a platform that yeah. doesn't necessarily recognize us or, you know, showcase the lifestyle that we are living or who we are as individuals. Yes. And that is actually where the whole seed of LGBTIQA plus activism was planted for me. If I have a platform, let me use it, you know, to bring awareness to the to the LGBTIQA plus community yeah. and leave this world maybe a little bit better than I found it. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the fact that, um, you know, getting up into character and creating this character comes from you being a performer. I mean, mm. my, my understanding and the first time I learned about drag was through a RuPaul, mm. who I knew as a singer, dancer, stage performer. Mm. Chat us through your journey and is that how your character came to life? <laughs> so I've been doing drag for 12 years. So when I started, there was no RuPaul. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or even if it was there, it wasn't as mainstream or as a cult as yes, we see it yes. uh, today. Um, I've always had a fascination with female clothing, um, growing up very young, you know, being raised by my mother and my grandmother. Um, I think it was that female influence that yeah. I had and growing up um, through... Um, school and going to university, like there was always this need like, oh, let me experiment. Let me, yes. you know, let me just touch or tap into that little bit of a, that yes. feminine side. Um, so when I was in my first year in university, uh, we went to a gay club and yes. I saw these performers on stage and I was in complete awe. And I was yes. like, this is what I want to do. Like, I, I really want to get in there. And Can I, I just take it back sure. to you? And obviously, again, this is not... Um, uh, these are two parallel issues, but mm. because it's relevant to your story. Yes, yes. You were in a gay club. Had you already come out? Were I did, you already openly gay? I did not. I hadn't wow. come out yet. I only came out mid-first year, 2009. Okay. Yes, yes. I came out and made it public to, to my parents and my family and all that. So yes. for me, it was still like kind of this little hush thing that I yes. wanted to do. Like, what would people think of me? What will yes. people say? So when I finally took that step, it was initially it started out as a hobby. I really yes. just wanted to, you know, it was like that little bit of escape from reality, yes. you know, just forgetting your normal life for a few hours and getting into character and being yes. someone else and yes. literally stepping into someone else's shoes. And then it just took on a life of its own and here I am 12 years later. So <laughs> let's go back to your upbringing. Um, you already mentioned raised by mom and grandmother. Mm. What was your, your earliest memory as a child? My earliest memory of, uh, as a child is like, I was raised for the first three years of my life by my mother, my grandmother, mm -hmm. and then she got married to my stepdad and they've been married for 28 years yeah. this year. Um, but my first remembrance, if I think back, is my grandmother worked in a shoe shop or yes. a shoe store where they fixed heels. Yes. And after school, I would always go there and play in the shoes. Yes. So I think it was there where the, where the seed was planted for me, where I wanted you know, to experiment. Would you say then that at that time, I mean, because they, they are viewers from our last conversations that we've had on the show um, with anything to do with the LGBTIQ plus A community, <laughs> um, was that people will mention whether the, there's a father there or not and how it influences mm. who you become. Was that relevant in your story at all? Absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. Um, I think we can't, we can't, find excuses or we can't find targets like to pin being gay on. Yes, yes. For me, my personal view is you're born this way. Yes. Um, 
it's a choice to accept it or yes. not, but it's not a choice to be gay or lesbian yes. or bisexual or yes. etc. So the, the other place that people ask that question, because for your story, you specifically mentioned that um, raised by mom and grandmother, that got you fascinated or influenced your fascination with heels and playing the dress up. Um, do you think that if you weren't raised by mom and grand, um, that you would still have found that fascination? Do you think like that's a calling you would have found anyways? I think what is meant for you will not miss you. Yeah. And um, be it whether I was just raised without a father figure, yes. it would have happened or come up eventually in my yes. life. Maybe it would have been under different circumstances, but I still would have ended up here where I am mm. today. So I don't think we can say if there wasn't a father figure yes. or there was a father figure. It is what it is. So what was school like? School was an interesting place. Um, I was extremely bullied from mm. as far back as I can remember. Um, not necessarily... Um, because I exuded, you know, being gay, but I always had an inclination towards a more feminine side. Yeah. Um, not that I was, you know, flapping around in school. Like for me, it was going to school, get through the day, go back home, try not to be seen. Um, but children are very cruel. People, yeah. I don't understand, I still till this day can't understand why we would, you know, belittle someone else and, you know, break other people down to make yeah. ourselves feel better. So school was, it's its not a happy memory for me. Like I yeah. have no desire to go back to school. Yeah. Um, but I am thankful for the, for the people that put me through what they did. Yeah. Because it made me a stronger person. It made me who I am today. And we built, the, a, we built a new foundation with the bricks that other threw, uh, threw at us. And um, for that, I'll be forever thankful. And I can just wish them well wherever they are in their lives and hope that their children don't go through the same that they put me through. So what would you say to your bullies today? I don't know what I would say to them if I had to see them face to face. But what and I... let's make it face to face. <laughs> they bullied you face to face. They didn't bully you online. What they would did. you say to they them? They did. But what I would say to them is their actions do not define who I am and my life, mm -hmm. but it has contributed to the way yeah. that I live my life today. And for that, I'm forever thankful. Do you think they are aware they bullied you? Because obviously we're a lot more woke now. We have mm, the conversations mm. about what bullying is. Some people only now yeah. are like, wow, I didn't realize I was a bully. Yeah. Now I realize the repercussions of what I did. If I look back, children are very much aware of the words that they speak, the actions that they do. Yeah. I mean, from a very young age, we are being taught what is right yes. and what is wrong. And sometimes we deliberately go against yeah. what is right. So even though I don't think they, they realize the severity of their actions and their words that they put out there, but they were very much aware of what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. Let's talk about your, your drag journey. Um, you, you uh, last said that, you know, you were in a gay club, you saw people performing, you said, this is what I want to do. So now the seed has been planted. What mm. happens next? So you actually put that seed into action and you go and ask them, can I be part of your tribe? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which wasn't as, as smooth as it sounds. Um, <laughs> I had to go through extensive auditioning processes um, to be part of this elite group of performers. Yes. Um, Were you already 
actively singing, dancing, and acting then, or they had to explain to you that, listen, we're not just wearing, putting on lipstick and wearing wigs. We actually are performing. So I, I was studying drama at that, at that point in time. So I was doing, you know, the singing and the drama and the dancing yes. and those things, but never as a character, never yes. as a, another persona. Um, but in my mind, I thought, oh, it can't be that hard. Yes. Um, so... I went through all these auditions and eventually they were like, cool, you can join our tribe. And it was really hard in the beginning because being now this whole new persona, like it's finding shoes, it's finding uh, clothes, it's finding makeup, it's finding earrings, uh, uh, jewelry and all those things. And way back then, our resources were quite limited. Yeah. So shoes was a very big problem for yes. me. But luckily Because of sizes or you just mean accessibility? Well, because of sizes. I mean, yeah. I wear a size 11 shoe. Wow. You know what they say about girls with big feet? <laughs> what do they say? I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so luckily, you know, over the years, um, major manufacturers have started yes. uh, making bigger size shoes and all those things. And obviously, because of internet and online shopping, we have a lot more resources at our yes. disposal. So it did get better with time. But back yes. then, you know, you had to make do with what you got. I am realizing more and more how... Being a, a, a drag queen is such an expensive exercise. Now, if this is part of who and and what you'd like, a way you'd like to express yourself, mm. how did you deal back then? Because yes, now we have the major factory mm. outlet stores where you can get eyeliner much cheaper. You can go go to your pharmacy, get makeup much cheaper. But back then, you have to go to the big cosmetics brands. How did yeah. you survive? So I I've always like claimed the title of a budget, a queen on a budget yes. type thing. Like yes. I like to make not cheap things necessarily, but less expensive things yes. look very glamorous. Yes. Um, I always had friends that, that supported my journey and, and really wanted me to succeed yes. in this new hobby yes. that I took on. Yes. So they were always like, you know, you can borrow my MAC eyeliner or you can use my lipstick. And yes. if you really need a pair of shoes, you know, because obviously being a size 11, yes. you need shoes that fit comfortably. You know, I'll ask my dad, you know, to buy it online for you. Yes. So not that I necessarily wanted to be a charity case, if yes. I can mean it that yes. way, but I know the intentions that they wanted to do it was good. And I allowed them to do that. And mm. till this day, they're still very good friends of mine. And now they come to my closet to see <laughs> what they can raid yes. and what they can use. So now you've got everybody chipping in to assist you. You start performing. What is the next part of the, your drag journey? So the next part, I, I only lasted at this club uh, where they did the performing for like a year. Because yes. then my study started. <laughs> Taking over. The grades started going down a little yes. bit. Um, so I took a, a little bit of a gap from that. And then only in 2013, um, a friend who owned a theater out in the East Rand contacted me and said that they want to do the show and they need a fairy drag mother. Yes. Would I bring Sinead out of retirement yes. and, and do the show? And I was like, it's a two-show, a, a two-performance show, I'll do it. And it was just received so well. And I was like, even though this is a hobby, maybe I can turn this into a business. Yes. Maybe let the persona work to my favor and make an income from this. And then I started actively pursuing, um, you know, more performance opportunities. I started um, 
doing more appearances at events in drag. And then the big break obviously came with the reality show in 2015. Yes. And ever since then, it's just been going and going and going with every opportunity coming my way. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, but it's hard work. It's hard you, work. You still haven't told me the significance of the name Shanae. Why Shanae? Even and I... O'Brien. <laughs> you know, like, was there a character that you saw in a movie that you like, this represents this? So that's the thing. With, with When you become a drag artist, you usually have a drag mother yes. who bestows a name onto you. Yes. Way back then, I was an independent girl. I was like, I'm going to be doing this for myself. Um, I can't tell you where the name Shanae comes from. I really can't. It just... Popped into your Yes, yes. Um, O'Brien comes from Richard O'Brien that wrote Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh -huh. So that's where O'Brien comes yes. from. And then I do have a second name that not a lot of people know. Do so you it's tell? called Shanae Renee O'Brien. So Renee comes from my theatre studies lecturer in university who passed away in 2010. Oh. And he was always very supportive in, in everything that I did with yes. regards to the drag. And like with every outfit, he would be like, what's the inspiration behind yes. this? And when he passed away, it, it was like there was this emptiness inside me. Yeah. So as an ode to him and to always remember his contribution to my life, I took his first name as, as Shanae's second name so that he's always with me. So in the spirit of Renee, mm. what is the inspiration of this outfit? The inspiration of this outfit, I was actually wearing this purple ring. <laughs> so it started with the ring it and it started all... with the ring and then it just it just went. Like I don't like planning things ahead. Yes. For me, it's in the spur of the moment. I don't have a set drag look. Yes. Like for me, it's whatever the mood is, it's how I'm feeling. Like if I see a yellow shoe, I'll be like, mm, let's experiment a little yes. bit with the yellow shoe. Let's turn that into the whole look. So I was wearing the purple ring and I was like, cool, let's go purple. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely love that. Okay, so now you've gotten to the point where um, you are pulled out of retirement, you're starting to perform, and you are actively looking for opportunities. Is drag a business? It's a difficult business. Yeah. It really is a difficult business because it's still... I don't want to say frowned upon by society, but it's yeah. still something that a lot of people aren't really comfortable with yes. or known with. Yes. Um, I'm very grateful for RuPaul's Drag Race that has created this whole cult of Drag Race um, and a following. Because, yes. I mean, like, if you look, everybody is watching it now. I mean, like, yes. how many seasons they have, all those things. Yes. Um, but especially society in South Africa is still very conservative. Yes. Um, I mean, if I walk into a bar dressed in drag, I will either get punched Mm. Or, you know, I will get the most hateful remarks thrown my way. What do people say? Well, the first one is obviously the very, the, the Afrikaans word morphe. Yeah. Which I don't really get offended by anymore. I was called that many years of my life, but I've reclaimed the word. So you can't use it against me. And how me did you own it? And break it down. Uh, own what? So you say you reclaimed the word, <laughs> yeah. word, right? Like, for example... Um, there are rappers in the U.S. who say the reason they use the N-word, yeah. they had to reown it. Mm. That's why they use it so yeah. freely in their music because they've they've lessened its power and yeah. its weight. So the word morphe is obviously a very derogative Afrikaans term for someone that is gay. Yes. And it's obviously, and it's, it's most of the time more referred to someone who's more feminine. Yes. And by reclaiming the word, I was like, yes, I am a drag artist. Yes, I'm not ashamed of my feminine yes. side anymore. Yes. 
So you can't use it against me. Yes. And also that, that name that destroyed my childhood um, in school or that word, like I, I'm not going to let it have power over me anymore. If you have a problem with, you know, how somebody expresses themselves or identify, the problem is not with me. Yeah. You need to sort it out with yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm just thinking about the fact that you're touching on this word was used um, to break you down mm. as a child. And you say you came out a little bit later. When did you actually know you were gay? Like, when was the moment that you like, okay, this is, <laughs> I know. I've, I've really, and it sounds, it sounds so cliche, but like I've really known all my life. Yeah. I remember the first time I was in grade two and I saw this other boy in school and I was like, oh, damn, boo, you are fine. <laughs> and it was, still, it was still weird for me, like, you know, because we get taught by society, boys must like girls and girls yes. must like boys. Yes. So it was a bit of this, you know, internal struggle going like, mm, you know, I, have, yes. I like this boy, but I can't express yes. it because, you know, what is going to happen? You suppress it, and, but, but you try and go with what society tells you because obviously you don't want to go against society. Yes. I mean, yes. those who go against society are always being outcast and, you know, yes. being bullied in school. Like, I, I couldn't handle that as well yes. either. So, but I've, I've known my entire life. And for me to have taken the step only in university when I was in my first year, it wasn't a thing of I was ashamed of it or I didn't understand what it was. It was a personal journey for me to get there. Yeah. Nobody can tell you when to come out. Nobody can say, oh, you need to come out now. Nobody yeah. can force you. It's your journey and you need to do it when you are ready. I think also sometimes, you know, I, I sort of had the epiphany that sometimes you know when it's safe to come out on, on, on any issue that mm. you open. I mean, on this show we've spoken yeah. about uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse in relationships and, and for you to go yeah. public and mm. even in your own space yeah. about something that's so hard, yeah. sometimes you instinctively know when it was the safest time to do so. And the thing is, when I came out, I, I did a double whammy. So I said to my parents, I'm gay and I'm a drag artist at the same time. And did you have so, to explain to them what that means? I did. Uh, my mother obviously didn't have an idea or a concept of what drag entails. So she yeah. thought I created this character to do adulterous extramural activities. <laughs> what? If I can put it <laughs> If I can put it that way. <laughs> which, and, and, and I'm laughing, which I probably shouldn't be because no, but it's it is reality. Funny. Look, it is it's funny, funny, but it's funny to us because we are woke yeah. and it sounds far-fetched. But yeah. somebody at home is sitting thinking, isn't yeah. that why you became a drag artist? Yeah. Because you want to engage in certain sexual activities. Yeah. And it, it was so funny because then I had to bring in, you know, Evita Besedno, who is like the, yes. the very prominent drag artist of South yes. Africa. I, said, like, I don't... This is, I'm, I'm not doing, you know, illegal stuff. Like, I'm not, you know, going under the sheets or the covers. Like, this is just a character for me to express and find my identity, who I am. Um, Did I, you have to explain being homosexual to her as well? My mother always knew. Yeah. A mother knows. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that it's hard because I didn't come out directly to my parents. Yes. Um, I did it in an email to my aunt, and then my aunt gave the emails to my parents, and then they didn't speak to me for two weeks. Um, so there was that, that, that little bit of a fear of like, oh, I'm being rejected. What is my next step? Because being solely dependent on my parents while I was studying, you know, paying my, my university fees, my rent, my medical aid, all those type of things, 
if they cut me off, where do I go? My dad comes from a very conservative side. My mother is very liberal. So I was like, it can go either way. It's 50-50. Um, And then two weeks passed, they phoned me and they were like, hi, we're up in Pretoria because they were staying in the Western Cape at that point. And they were like, hi, we flew up to to Pretoria. We want to come and speak to you. And I was like, oh, it's going down. And Uh, how how did it go? uh, It went... It went surprisingly well. We met at a very big mall in Pretoria North. Um, I can remember so vividly. We sat at Juicy Lucy (laughs) at 3 p.m. that afternoon. And we just started talking. We just started talking and explaining to my mother, like, I'm still your child. Like, this, what I am and what I'm feeling and who I'm becoming, it doesn't define me. Like, it doesn't... Well, it's defining me as a person, but... It doesn't define me what society says I yeah. am. Yeah. Like, I'm still your child. I'm still your blood. Like, there's nothing changing. Yes, yes, I'm growing. I'm evolving. But it's, if anything else, I'm more open towards you. I'm more truthful towards yeah. you because I want you to see who I really am. And we sat there for about, I think, two, three hours. And I was bawling my eyes out. And afterwards, my dad, my stepdad, but I see him as my dad, um, stood up and come and gave, gave me a hug. And he was like, you know, no matter what you choose to be or who you want to be, you're still my child and I will love you unconditionally. And then my mother was like, cool, let's go lingerie shopping. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I love that. So what I love about your story is how, you know, there are the highs and the lows, but it's interesting that... There's the sexuality aspect, there's how you identify aspect, and there's the part that this is artistry. How much of your artistry is who you are? I think I've been doing it for so long that it's become like an interwoven, integral part of my life. I cannot see myself living without the drag part. Yes. Um, It's it's very weird. Whenever I go to a shop or anything, I'm like, cool, I'm going to buy something for me as my normal self. And then I end up walking out with high heels and earrings and those type of things and not getting myself anything. Um, the, the character has become such a priority in my life, but not, it, it was to find and discover who I am, but it has shifted and changed into leaving, I don't want to say a legacy, yes, but leaving you know, the world a little bit of a better place than I found it and trying to make a difference in other people's lives and showing that, it is okay to be different. It's okay to not blend in with society. And also to say to society that you don't need to accept what I do with my life. You don't need to accept the choices that I make because there's a reason why it's my choices and my journey that I'm going. But I need you to respect it. Yes, yes. Now, you mentioned the fact that the way you started, Mm. you know, you went through an auditioning process to be part of a group that already had an audience and Mm. was performing. To the young a drag artist in waiting that's watching at home, you know, that's looking at you, if they don't have a stage, how are they still a drag artist? Being on stage or being a performing drag queen does not define you not being a drag queen or being a drag queen. Yes. Um, You can be whatever you want to be. If you want to be a drag queen that sits in your garden outside having a cup of tea, then you're a drag artist. Yes. There's nothing that limits you from becoming this person or identity or persona that you want to be or that you want to create. Yes. It's all about perseverance. It's all about consistency. It's all about taking that first step and being your true authentic self and pushing and 
yes, you're going to get slack. Yes, you're going to get bad comments and negative commentary from society because that's just how things are. Yeah. But if you know that this is what you want to do as a person, this is this is who you are on the inside or this is what you, you want to pursue, yes. it's all up to you. Nobody else can do it for you. Um, has Sinead healed Tiart? It's a, that's a difficult question. Um, I think I think it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. I think for a very long time, the drag persona was a shield mm. to to the things that society, you know, threw our way or said our way. And I would always be they're saying it to the character. It doesn't affect me. But I've come to terms and and, and a place in my life where me and Shanae were one and the same. Like we can't, you can't, Sinead doesn't exist if I'm not there. Mm. And for me to, to say that, you know, things don't affect me, it would be a lie. Mm. Uh, but I have made peace with it. And I think I'll be forever grateful for the drag persona of Sinead to, to have made me a stronger person, mm. to have made me realize that, you know, you can stand on your own two feet and be your own independent mm. person and accept who you are. Could you um, resonate with a Beyonce saying she has a Sasha Fierce when she's on stage? Do you feel like Shanae is your Sasha Fierce? And I'm asking that specifically mm. because you said Shanae for a period was a shield where you mm. didn't have to deal with the daggers being thrown mm. at Tiart. I think, I think every drag artist would tell you that they, their persona is, you know, their own Sasha Fierce or yes. their own little you know, mechanism to be a little bit more glamorous and a yes. little bit more fabulous. And also to to be satirical and say things as the character that you will never normally get away with yes. saying as your normal self. So it is, it is, it's great for me to step into a pair of high heels and leave my normal life behind for a little while and just be this, this character that you've worked on for so long and who is ever changing and evolving and, and being that fierce persona and, being able to entertain people while doing it. Yeah. Um, I think that is the most rewarding thing for me. So up until this time, we've been talking about your upbringing and all those things. You obviously are referencing Tiart's life. Mm. In your character development, does Shanae have a history? Where does she come from? You know, <laughs> was she a hurt little girl somewhere? Does your development go that far? For me, I didn't... In the beginning, I created a little bit of a backstory for, for the persona. Tell like us. She came from Carltonville, from a family whose mother stayed at home who made dresses from curtains. The dad was a farmer, you know, out there in the cornfields. Um, no siblings. And I think that's where it stopped. Like, yeah. I never went further with the story because I didn't want it to become too complicated or overshadow yes. what I wanted to achieve, essentially. Um, so in my mind, Shanae is a 12-year-old little girl. Yes. But, I mean, in reality, she's a 32-year-old woman. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, a backstory, I've woven my, my own life into her life. Yes. So even though she has, like, that small little snippet of where she comes from, like, it doesn't really mean anything, yes. if I can put it that way. Yes. So you don't use it to... Um, to make decisions about things you're doing today. You're not, you don't use it, for example, for me as an actress, when I have to make decisions about how my character is going to react, mm. I have to be like, keep in mind, she was abused as a child, mm. therefore she would react like this. The thing is, 
Sinead has always only experienced the glamorous side yes. of life, if yes. I can put it that way. So with every performance that I do, every business venture I take on, I'm the, I'm the person with the lived experiences, yes. the person behind the wig and behind mm -hmm. the makeup. So Sinead can't draw emotion of sadness and, you know, because there is no backstory for her to draw yes. it from. So that's why I say we've become such an integral part of each other that we assist each other. She's the, the face, but I'm the emotion. I'm the intent behind everything. What, what did Evita Besaidenhout mean to you? Because you used that as an example. You used her character as an example to mm. your mom about this is what I am doing. Because I, I agree with you. Yeah. Some people in the previous generation are like, no, Evita's fine, but what you're doing, uh-uh. Exactly. And I don't understand and why. That, that, that was the big thing for me as well. Um, being them an older generation, you know, they grew up with Evita, this man dressing as a woman who goes around in this in this uh, political spheres. Yes. Um, but now that there's younger people doing it and not doing it necessarily for a cause, but, you know, just expression, yes. Mm, it's a little bit frowned upon. So Evita, the reason why she's like one of my big role models is like she broke out and she went into this political sphere, yes. which I don't necessarily want to do. Yes. But she went in as this character and she said like, this is who I am. This yes. is what I stand for. This is what I want to achieve. Yes. And I think there's extreme bravery and vulnerability in that. Putting yourself on such a pedestal um, in a public eye yes. and being true to yourself and being who you are and taking the criticism and taking the negative commentary and turning it into a positive thing. So that is what I wanted to do. That yes. is, that is it's, it's not always nice. It's not always as glamorous as people think. But... It's, it's the stepping stones towards a greater cause. It's, yeah. it's moving towards a society that is accepting, that is loving, and that embraces us for individuality. And remembering that no matter the labels that have been hung around our necks, mm. that we're still human at the end of the day. And we need to love each other unconditionally for that. Next time on Unpacked, you were saying that you are gay, but there's still something missing. I needed to be free. I needed to be me. What is the perfect person? Yeah. What is that? Nobody really knows. Unpacked with Rilebukhile Mabocha. New episodes weekdays at 5.30pm on my YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe. Television edited broadcasts weekdays at 5pm. Open up to S3.